Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can go do anything you want. I never realized that growing up. If you want to be president of the United States, why can't you be? You want to be the general manager of a football team? Why can't Like, I've, I've talked to them. You can do that. You can be that. Like, I didn't know this, Rich. I didn't know this when we were at Michigan. You could really go into this profession. You could cover sports for a living. Yes. Welcome to this edition of Just Getting Started. It is episode nine in our Voices of the NFL series. Please go to our library and catch any of the episodes that you may not have seen or heard, depending on if you're listening to this on Cumulus Podcast Network or watching it on the Rich Eisen Show YouTube feed, Al Michaels, Joe Buck, Jim Nance, Aaron Andrews, Michael Strahan, Kevin Harlan, Chris Berman, last week the great Amy Trask, joined us as well and now the only guest in this series of 10 who I went to college with and the guy I've known the longest of anybody that's been on this program and somebody for whom I actually knew quite a bit about how he got started but I want to bring that story to you because I love this man he's from the worldwide leader in sports formerly my colleague at the NFL Network my buddy Adam Schefter what's up Shefty Rich thank you for the kind words congratulations on your St. Jude's Thank you. Award over the weekend. That was awesome to watch that video. Well-deserving. You've done so much good and raised so much money for so many people. It's an honor to know you and to call you a friend. Well, you were there, part of that combine coverage where it was born. And you know the guy who was sitting next to me very, very well as well, who helped inspire it. Because uh, just like everything else yeah. out of uh, in the TV world, content, if you will, is uh, born out of sheer boredom, waiting to, <laughs> waiting to shoot something. And uh, we were waiting to shoot Total Access that night in the old RCA Dome, and the we being me and Terrell Davis. And I asked him, how fast do you think I can run the 40? And his answer was just laughing. I cursed at him and then ran down <laughs> and ran the 40. And as you know, they surprised me by actually recording it that night. And I yeah. had no idea it was being recorded. And, and, and all now, those children, millions and millions of dollars later, that, have right, benefited man. from in that. And so... It's an awesome thing. That's the unintended consequences of life. And you've done a mitzvah there, Rich. Thank you, sir. I greatly appreciate (laughs) that. I appreciate that. Okay, so um, this pod's all about origin stories and career origin stories. And I I know your career, in a way, got started just like mine with the outstanding student newspaper at the University of Michigan, or alma mater, the Michigan Daily. But did you always want to do what you're doing right now? Rich, this is so far beyond anything I ever could have and would have imagined growing up. And when we went to Michigan, the only reason that 
I wound up working with you is because I rushed a fraternity my freshman year. And there were 50 guys going for about 10 spots. And I was not deemed worthy of a spot in this particular fraternity. So I went down to the football office to see if they needed somebody to pick up jock straps and hand out water bottles. And they didn't need anybody. And so I went to the basketball office to see if they needed somebody to clean the lockers, scrub the toilets, do whatever. And they didn't need anybody. And so when the fraternity didn't want me and the football office didn't want me and the basketball <laughs> office didn't want me and I didn't know what else to do. And I'm like, I got to do something. What can I do with my time here? Let me try the student newspaper. Now I went to Michigan right. with no aspirations of wanting to work for the student newspaper. No idea that you could even do that. I just thought, how cool would this be where it gives me a press pass right. to go see these events and talk to the athletes and be around something that I've never been around in my life. I went to Michigan thinking, like so many Jewish New Yorkers, I would go to business school or law school <laughs> and somehow wound up at the student newspaper, right? Working with you. And so it was purely accidental. If the fraternity had taken me in, if the football office had given me a job, if the basketball office had given me a job, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. There's no way. Well, that, that, that is amazing. That is something I did not know, that that's how you got to yeah. the Michigan Daily. I, I did stand-up comedy in college, but I, I just wound up at the student newspaper just for similar reasons that I, I wanted to try and, and get into sports, you know, because I, I learned at a, a young age I couldn't hit the curveball or a jump shot, right? And and if I wanted to get to a certain level of, of, of the sports world, I probably had to talk about it you know, or write about it. Well, Rich, so. to me, they, they weren't real jobs that people did. I, I, I know that sounds weird, but the day that I was, there was a day back in March of 2012 where my high school put me into its ring of fame, its hall of fame, whatever you want to call it. And Steve mm -hmm. Levy, the voice of Monday Night Football, yes, he went to the same high school as me. And so they inducted us into the hall of fame together <laughs> on the very same night. Yeah. And... They asked us the origins of our careers. And I listened to Steve Levy talk about how he grew up wanting to do what he's doing, how he did an internship for WFAN, he did an internship for a sports agent, he did an internship with another sports network. And I'm thinking, holy moly, like this guy had it all figured out right. and worked right towards doing it. Whereas I am a busboy at Hunan Gourmet, the Chinese restaurant, scraping up cash so I could go out with my friends on the weekend, or I'm collecting carts at Food Town in Merrick, New York to have extra money to take girls out for Coca-Cola's. Like, I never thought about doing this. <laughs> that is, that is because that, that, that's particularly remarkable, because I'll, I'll let everybody who's listening or watching in on this, is you were a year before me at Correct. Michigan. Okay, so I was a year behind you. And you were already established at the student newspaper when I joined. That, whatever that means. No, no, you, no, excuse me. You were, okay? Yeah. You were. And the reason why I'm saying that is not only because you were doing the bigger sports beats than I was obviously assigned to, because that's the way it worked at the student newspaper, is you started with the non-basketball slash football. Correct. Beats, and then you, you graduated to that. Right. Basketball, your, your junior year, and obviously football being the senior year, and that's the way it would work at the Michigan Daily. But um, you, when I got there, were already hooked up with the greatest it, to do it maybe ever 
in the state of Michigan professionally in yeah. Mitch album. And I remember sitting there going, okay, so you can not only cut your teeth at this student newspaper and express yourself, but start looking over the steering wheel professionally on, on getting where you need to go in this journalistic world. And you were the guy I'm like, Oh God, okay. He's way ahead of the game already in college. And here but I wasn't, but you, here's the thing, rich, yeah. rich. There was a bar on the Michigan campus called Dominic's yes. that would give you a free drink for every rejection letter that you have. I tell people, forget about getting a drink. I could have owned the bar. I had that many rejection letters, right? I mean, it was crazy. And yes, Mitch Album was somebody who, when we were in college, I idolized him. I wanted to be Mitch Album. That was my dream, my goal, my aspiration. And when, during our senior, my senior year, he was writing a book and he said, hey, I would see him at these press conferences every now and then. I would talk to him and, and I'm, I'm telling you, I worship the guy. He said, I'm thinking about doing a book. Would you be available to be a research assistant? I don't want to say my only, because he had a couple of people. Work. I'm like, how much do I have to pay you to do that? And so I spent my senior year gathering Bo Schembechler anecdotes for him for that book. Like that. And honestly, I was taking my English classes, my science, my math, whatever right. it may be, history. I could care less about any of those classes. My goal my senior year was to get as many Bo Schembechler stories as I could back in the day. Like there were so many of them, and I would just type them up and hand them to Mitch. And, you know, he probably used just a handful of them in his book. But to me, it meant so much to be able to assist him and work around him. But when you're saying that I was ahead of the game, yeah, I'm not joking when I tell you that the only reason I went to Northwestern Graduate School, the Medill School of Journalism, which you also right. went to after me, right? Yeah. The only reason I went there was because I couldn't get a newspaper job anywhere in the country, not in Shreveport, not in Bismarck, not in Boise, not in Los Angeles, not in any suburb city you could think of. And I sent out hundreds, hundreds of resumes, cover letters, clips for the Michigan Daily that maybe you might have even edited back in the day. Yeah, like right. nobody would have me, nobody. So when I had nothing to do, I went to graduate school at so the Medill School of Journalism. Right. Uh, as my, just to, before we move on on that, did I edit your, you your game story? You didn't. I told I you this. No, because for for if, the this is the national championship game with Glenn Rice won and all that. You were not there for that one. You were not. Oh, there? I was there. Okay, but I was there as a fan. And if you remember, the way the Michigan Daily worked was the last beat that you covered was the football beat of your senior year. Right. The football season ended January. Right. So I was done with the Michigan Daily in January of '89, mm -hmm. and Michigan won the national championship in basketball in April of '89. And I was a free and easy senior looking for work, figuring I'm going to journalism school. So I never sent in a story because, frankly, I was with all my college buddies back in the day. The funny part is you could line up at the athletic department, get tickets to that Final Four. We got extra tickets, scalped some to pay for our trip to Seattle, and flew out there by scalping tickets. We, my friends and I still joke about it. We walked into some hotel room in Seattle to meet some guy that had cigars and, can, and, and beers and, and who knows what was going on in that room. Like, it was a crazy room. We walked in there. What was, what was the guy's name? If I texted one of my college roommates, he would know. And this guy was, he had like stacks of tickets. It was seedy. It was it, it was it was awful and we sir here, here's your tickets and he he gave us a wad of cash and that wad of cash financed 
the trip that we had to Seattle, which I didn't write a game story because I was so busy celebrating our school's <laughs> national championship in basketball. Right, and I was too busy swimming upstream like a salmon <laughs> down South University to get to the student newspaper. Everyone yeah. was rushing to the center of campus to celebrate. <laughs> I drew the short straw to close the newspaper that night. So I left my fraternity house to go close it. But again, that's that's what we did in college, right? Yeah. With the student newspapers, we 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 did realize it was an endeavor. It was also a labor of love. There's no question about it. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The sleep number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. So I love part of the story here, Adam, because obviously you're viewed by so many people in the world of, of the NFL and, and our entire industry as so remarkably successful because you are. The number of rejections that you got at the start, you said, you know, with a, a free drink for each rejection letter, you could have owned an entire bar. So mm -hmm. how deep did it get for you before you finally got your break? I mean, and when did that happen for you? Adam. You know, I, I tell this to college kids all the time that, and I think it's true whether you're going into our field or any field, unless you're some golden child, and there are a lot of them out there. These kids today are so impressive, but usually you're going to be met with all sorts of rejections and all sorts of blows to your ego. You, you got ahead very early in the game, Rich. Your origins were moonshot, like yeah, right well, away. Okay. Okay. So, and I, and I, I was not like that you know I've, I've just been the the steady grinder my entire career grinding away grinding away and letting that go where it will and so when i had all these rejections at michigan that led me to graduate school at northwestern where i sent out more clippings and more resumes and got more rejection letters 
And then I got an internship. Uh, it's one of the great regrets of my life still to this day is that I got an internship while I was at Northwestern. And I was so excited and so anxious to get a newspaper job of any sort, even though it was a internship at the Seattle Post Intelligencer, mm. which is now defunct, right? The yes. first few papers I worked for, the Ann Arbor News, uh, the Seattle Post, out of business. You see how important my contributions were <laughs> to their long-term success. But anyway, I flew out to Seattle and I said, well, when do you want me to start? And they said, I'm June 25th. And I said, okay. And I didn't even think anything of it. Well, graduation was like June 28th, three days later. And I said, you know what? That's the way it goes. And I never went to my graduation mm. at Northwestern. Missed it because I went out to Seattle to start covering the Seattle Mariners and Goodwill Games. And the very first day of my very first assignment on my internship, I walked into the Mariners locker room and I was like a kid in a candy store looking around completely in awe and intimidated. And the very first person that walked up to me was Ken Griffey Jr. <sighs> and... I knew exactly who he was back in the day. And he looked at me uh, and he said, you look lost. I said, I, I didn't know what to say. I said, my name is Adam Schefter. And he goes, I'm Gumby. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. And I just always remember that. And I missed my high school or my graduate school graduation to go meet Gumby in the Mariners locker room. So the first athlete you technically ever interviewed professionally. And well, I never interviewed him that. Well, that no, no, day. no, no, no. You, you had a conversation. With. The first right. athlete that I encountered in yes. a locker room ever in my professional version and career at that point in time was Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> and so, you know, here's, here was the, here was the funny part. When I was working for the Seattle post Intelligencer, the Seattle times had an opening covering high school sports. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that job in the worst way. Mm -hmm. Like, it meant everything. I kept sending the sports editor of the Seattle Times all these clippings. And she never got back to me. She never even responded. And I kept calling. Leaving. I mean, I, I must have reached out a dozen times. And so that was 1990, the summer of 1990. And again, it took me two full years before I finally got my first offer. It was actually covering uh, preps for the Los Angeles Times Suburban Bureau. Like it was one of those things. It was just something. I'm like, and I went out celebrating in New York City that I finally got an offer. And when I got back, there was a note from my mother laying on my pillow, purple note I could still see, square note, Barry Forbes, Rocky Mountain News, 303-892-5326 called. And it was the first time in two years that a sports editor had called me. Now I knew he wasn't calling me to say, hey, how was your internship in Seattle? Right. I was so excited. And I called him in the morning. He said, how fast can you get out to Denver for an interview? I said, I'm coming right now. Got on the next plane, flew out there, took that job because more, it was more of a full-time job than the Los Angeles Times Bureau high school sports reporting job and started in Denver in September of 1990 at the age of 23 years old. So to me, that was, that was like the first chance that I had because I've never considered myself talented in any one area, but I can tell you this, nobody, nobody wanted to be a sports reporter hmm. anymore then I wanted to be a sports reporter at that point in time. Well, no, nobody. Grindstone, no question. You know, and and you being the, you know, that that that's where you that that's where it took off for you in Denver, Colorado, and you know, um, just to I guess dovetail everything here. So the summer of ninety, that that's just after I graduated, and I got a call on my graduation day at Michigan 
from the editor of my hometown newspaper, the Staten hmm. Island Advance, yeah. or as yeah, they say that, yeah. in my hometown, the Staten Island Advance. I got rejected from there. I got rejected from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was a summer intern there for three years. So they hire, and I'm from Staten Island. So they, you know, they, they hired me. I got a job, right? I walked graduation with a job already secured, which is remarkable, right? Yeah. But, but, but. I wasn't cut out for news. I wanted to be in sports. I was absolutely not cut out for news. I've told this story on the podcast earlier, and I, and I found out exactly, you know, why I wasn't when serious stories came up. I didn't want to, you know, I was trying not to cover it, and I was trying not to, you know, I, I wasn't cut out to ask the tough questions, you know, about life, you know, and um, life or death when somebody's murdered or somebody's house is burned down. Like, I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to get in the toy department, which Lou Prado, the uh, great professor at Medill School of Journalism, would call the sports department. At any rate, um, so I realized two years, three years, and I wanted to do sports TV. And I knew I couldn't make my own tape. I had to get my own tape. And the only way out for me, I thought, to get started was to go to the Medill School of Journalism. And part of the reason why I went is because you had already gone there and you had already been successful. I'm telling this for the truth. Yeah. And then when I got out of Medill and I started road tripping around uh, upstate New York and also in parts of Massachusetts and Connecticut to try and look for a job. And I remember I was going to visit Keith Olbermann for an informational interview with him at ESPN. Because uh, an internship that I took at CBS Evening News, the guy who was the executive producer, Eric Sorensen, knew KO, and he hooked me up. So I'm driving from Albany, where I had just gotten rejected in the worst possible way, through to ESPN, and I stayed overnight in some hotel, motel, mm -hmm. and I turned on SportsCenter, and there was a piece about the burgeoning Denver Broncos team. This is in 94, and an old college friend appeared on, on the piece as a pundit talking about how great the Broncos were. And it just kind of put me in a terrible funk. I'm like, he's so far ahead and I'm sitting in a flea bit in motel and that person was you. Well, well, hold and on. I'm and I'm telling I, you, Adam, it just, it, it, it definitely was like you were, like if you can do it, I can do it. That's the way I thought, just to dig myself out. And you know, so you're telling me that that, that if if I could do it at the Michigan Daily, you could do it. If I could go to Medill, you could do it. If I could Correct. appear on ESPN, you could do it. So in a way, yes, I blazed the path for you. You did. To be doing um, what you you did. know what? You could be facetious all you want, <laughs> and and the funny thing is, is you is you're like you didn't have it all together, you know, in college, no. and you were just running quotes for an album, and yep. you were you know scalping tickets and whatever, but you we were all viewing you as like you had it together like you knew what you were doing because because you were of singular focus that's true that you were and it was so obvious you were like this is what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna friggin' do it and then you did and well, that's the truth yeah, and that's well that's something uh, that's definitely something yeah but you rich know. i mean it's an unbelievable thing to think about. I think back now when, to hear you tell a story. And I remember hearing about you. You were in Stockton, California? Where, Redding. Where, where, Redding, Redding, California, right? Oh, okay. Sure. I mean, I Stockton, was, well, Redding's beautiful. but Yeah, you know, but I remember you doing that and then getting to ESPN like, oh, my God, look at Rich. I, look at what Rich is doing. Holy, <laughs> Rich is killing. Oh, my God, look at Rich. That's unbelievable. 
And so that's an inspiration to all the people who worked around you at college, right? And so maybe we all need some sort of inspiration and we derive it at different points in our life and, and try to find it. And, and I honestly uh, didn't think or know that I provided any of that ever to you because I was so sure. busy scrambling, right. desperate to make my way in a business that was so hard to break into that meant so much to me that I gave everything to to try to get into. And even when I got to Denver, I don't know anybody in Denver. I move out there at 23. I pour myself into the job. I pour myself into that beat. And I always tell people, and this is true, you know, I went to Michigan undergrad. I went to Northwestern graduate school, but I feel like I got my master's at Denver Broncos U. Like it was 15 plus years of covering that team and understanding how a football organization works and getting to know all the people that were there who then branched out to other places. And I didn't go to NFL Network, Rich, hmm. until I was 38 years old. So you're on TV. You're a star. You become – all I was was a newspaper beat reporter. Right. Almost 16 years grinding away. And in my mind, I thought that that was something that I was going to do the rest of my life. And I was completely – comfortable with that. Like I loved covering that team. And at that point in time, nobody had ever covered that team, which is religion in Denver, as long as I had covered that team. And so to me, that was my great badge of honor until I moved on to work with you before you at NFL well, Network. That was, I, I remember where it was. It was at the Breakers Hotel in, um, in Palm Beach, Florida at the owner's meeting in 2004. And you were there because you were covering it. And uh, I remember it was like we, you know, the network was like, we need somebody to find out stories, break news and be our information reporter. And I remember it was, you know, at the time, the executive producer, Eric Weinberger and Bornstein, yep. Steve Bornstein, yep. Yep. Um, saying, you know, we're looking at a guy in Denver. He says he knows you. I'm like, who is it? Is Adam Schefter? Like I, I spit the words out because I knew, you know, there's only one guy in Denver who knew me, right? And um, from college. And I'm like, oh my God. And I remember walking across like some sort of, you know, party or get together that yep. the league was throwing and you were there and the two of us started talking. And uh, of course, you know, I'm like, that th this should be the beginning, middle and end of the discussion. And then just so, so the fact that I was part of something totally new that was so crucial to my career after having, you know, departed ESPN. Yeah. And then you are now part of something like that. It is crucial cross, you know, section. It really was like, you can't make this shit up, you know, like you cannot yeah. make it up. And that's, you know, and everyone's like, so you and Adam, like you guys got a rapport. I'm like, <laughs> you know. I've, well, I've you, known him you, since you, you, were, you, were, you know, you were I mean, always very talented, very talkative, very funny, very engaging. I was a grinder. You were, and we, you and we managed to just come to and, and that because I don't know anything else because I don't feel like I have, you know, I'm capable of doing much else other than grinding away. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O O O O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. So now, obviously, you're still at the worldwide leader, and now I am where I am. So I guess last two questions for you, because um, not only do I know you've got you know more to do, but I also know you, Adam. I noticed a couple times, and this is how terrific you are at what you do. Uh, how many times over, over, under? I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the over of you checking your phone during this conversation while still holding a conversation and being engaging. Uh, the over under is two and a half. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the over. You've done it three times during this conversation. Or is it yeah. four? How many I think times? Three have you times. Done that? Three times. Okay. I reached See, down, and and for people who are are listening, would yes. they know that that, that yes. happened? See, yes. my wife is used to this, and she can't stand it or me, right? Like, so she's, but you, you got to do you're that. Not, you're not there again. But no, this is what I, I've trained myself to do over the years. <laughs> that, that is a talent. I can text and look down as I'm talking and listen and talk. I mean, it's incredible. Seriously, I mean, it's really it's a talent. So two things: <laughs> where where do you get the grinder mentality from? I mean, because again, there are many people who listen to this podcast, and this is the the, the listeners I, I appreciate um, very much. That you know, that's the reason why we started this podcast. Is somebody's trying to get started on something new, and the the, the whole mantra of this is that you do have it within you to get started. You know, mm -hmm. belief in self, don't take no for an answer, et cetera. But where do you get that from? It's a very um, deep question, and it's a very personal question. You know, I'd have to, I'd have to really stop and think about it. my immediate reaction would be that I feel like I never grew up with a whole lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like I never had, like, I'm just being honest with you, some Please. of these talents that some of these people are blessed with, like, like yourself. Mm -hmm. And so to make up for that, I figured, okay, well, there may be smarter people, funnier people, people who could converse better. I'm going to try to outwork everybody. And, and I guess that's really it. Like, and I'm going to try to outwork people to um, try to provide a life and some of the things that I've never had in my life. Um, so I, I guess that's kind of it, Rich. You know, growing up in Belmore, Long Island, South Shore, uh, Belmore JFK High School. It, 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 believe me, it was not a depraved childhood, no, but no. it was not something where you know, my parents uh, were very giving and gave of themselves. But I just, I just, that, to me, that's the way you do it. You, there's a professional responsibility uh, to give of yourself and to give everything you have to a job. And, and I, I just feel like uh, that's the thing that I can bring to the table. Like, I'm proud to say to you that mm -hmm. nobody wanted to do this any more than I did. No, there's no way. Like, there, I'm sure, there are a lot of people, I'm sure, that really want to do this, but I lived it, eat it eat it, ate it, breathed mm. it. And it, it, it meant 
everything to me to the point where, you know, I, I don't get married till I'm 40 years old right. because I was so immersed in the job. And while my friends are traveling the world and getting married and having children and raising families, I'm covering the Denver Broncos. I'm at the facility on Thanksgiving. I'm at the facility on Christmas. I'm at the facility on weekends. I'm talking to the players. I'm writing books. Like I was just thrown into it. And it, it, it always meant a lot to me. It still means a lot to me. That's the only way I know how to do it. And I got a daughter on Nickelodeon talking football. And, My God. That, My that's, God. My yeah, God. Yeah, she, uh, she was on there last night with Austin Eckler. She, Mark Andrews the week before. And I like to say, um, and, you know, and I'm proud of this, that uh, she's had better guests than I've had on, <laughs> on the Adam Schefter podcast by a landslide. Because you know what? I help her. I try to help when I can round sure. up certain people. And Nickelodeon's done a great job with it. Um, Sean Robbins, outstanding. But I would much rather her have Tom Brady than me have Tom Brady on I my love podcast. It. So now th that begs the, 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 and then I got one more last question. Yeah, you know. But, but this begs this one, though, follow-up. Has your daughter given you a nugget of information that you did not know that you were able to follow up on? <laughs> Has that happened yet, Adam? Hey, Dad, you know what I just... No, because she, she doesn't know. She she's more into what they're giving, you know, what they're dressing up for on Halloween. What are they giving out? Although <laughs> I, I will say, like little things that she had Jamar Chase on earlier this year, and uh, right, and and he said his nickname was Uno, and and she's like, why Uno? And he said because my birthday's on the first, my parents' birthday's on the first, my brother's birthday's on the first, everybody's birthday. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Now I'm not going to have that as one of the headlines on Sunday NFL Countdown, but. I thought, well, that, that's very interesting. Well, let me follow up with Uno. let me follow up this, Adam, then, because on game day morning this past weekend, <laughs> yeah, you know, a line that I used in a, in a lead in for the Bengals was that they've gone from Ocho Cinco of yesteryear <laughs> to the present and future of Uno. Yeah, now, I had read that somewhere that his nickname was Uno. Could it be possible? Yes, that that, that came your from daughter. Dillage. I never heard that before. Got we, it out I, there. I was, and I was right there when she's doing the interview with him and he goes into this whole Uno explanation. And I thought to myself, well, that, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Maybe your daughter helped filter something into my copy before yours. That is, come on now. That's what college friends are all for right there. That's so, unbelievable, right? I know. I love it. So last one for you. I ask all my guests as a final question, best piece of advice you've ever received and from would that be in your career? Yeah. Oh boy. There's nothing that strikes me right away. Okay. Uh, and, and, and I'm not any great philosopher or anything like that, but I would say I'd rather lean on myself there and okay, say to all it. the people looking for advice, you can go do anything you want. I never realized that growing up. Mm. If you want to be president of the United States, why can't you be? You want to be the general manager of a football team? Why? Like I've, I've talked to them. You can do that. You can be that. Like, I didn't know this, Rich. I didn't know this when we were at Michigan. Like, you could really go into this profession. You could cover sports for a living. Yeah. You could go do anything you want. And again, I don't know. My parents helped send me to Michigan, gave so much to get me. To, but, but for some reason, I never learned growing up online that you can do anything you want in this life. And and that's that that's the advice that I would have for people. Pretty simple, pretty basic, almost cliched. Right. But there's nothing that instantaneously comes to me. There was no thunderbolt that Mitch album 
or Rich Eisen yeah, or Rich. anyone that we ever worked with at the Jeff Rush at the student newspaper Jeff gave Rush. me back in the day mm-hmm. and that, that stayed with me other than just go bust your ass, try as hard as you can and see where it goes. You're the best, Adam Schefter. Thanks again, Love pal. It. Great message from my buddy Schefter, Adam Schefter. There's so many tremendous people in this business who do what so many fans of the NFL require, which is to find out the insatiable desire to find out what's going on. You know, um, my my buddy Ian Rappaport from the NFL Media Group, Jason Lockenforo was before him and after Adam Schefter at the NFL Network, wherever you want to take in your information. Chris Mortensen was doing it at ESPN for so many years when Adam joined ESPN. And that was one of the more crushing blows of my NFL network career is when Adam departed and, and went to ESPN. It was just a, a, a blast to work with a college buddy in something that was just getting started for me, which was NFL network. And, you know, there, there there's, there's, I should cover this ground before wrapping up with Adam's message uh, on this podcast, I haven't spoken yet about leaving ESPN for NFL Network and telling that story. So I'll do it here. So many people are always ask me, why'd you leave ESPN? Well, you know, the, the intent was never to leave ESPN. Uh, I mean, that was my dream job to get to SportsCenter in 1996 at the zenith of SportsCenter pretty much when Kilborn was there and Keith and Dan were there and doing the uh, big show and Robin Roberts and, and Bob Lee and, and Charlie Steiner. And then I was there with Stuart for all those years and, you know, um, and so much more. Uh, there was never an intention to leave, but SportsCenter changed um, from a show about telling you what happened to why something happened. And the reason why that changed is because of, you know, your phones and, and the computers that that uh, would get you your information, and ESPN management assumed that you would know what had happened prior to turning on SportsCenter. Um, you know, in in two thousand one, the bottom line ticker started appearing on the bottom line of your television screen, revealing scores uh, of of a of a game that I was just doing a highlight of trying to reveal the result to you. It kind of cannibalized what I was doing. And then instead of being a, a host of a, of a highlight-driven show, I was now the host of a show with two analysts coming on to argue about why something happened. Crossfire on CNN was a big show, and I I just didn't want to do SportsCenter as much anymore. I was doing about 125 of them. It's a dream job. I, I, I'm not telling anybody it's not. It's a dream job to do that show. And certainly at the time I was doing it, it was a total dream. The intention was never to leave. But like I said, the show changed. I wanted to do more material at ESPN, which was now owned by Disney. I wanted to do more shows. I wanted to do more, have more opportunities. And the management team there was unwilling to uh, endeavor that. I was offered the original uh, hosting role of the show called Cold Pizza, if you remember that show. In 2003, it launched in New York City, which was another reason why I wanted to do it. I wanted to live in New York as opposed to Central Connecticut. Just getting, I was just getting married to my wife 18 years ago um, in 2003. And so the idea appealed to me, but the show was just not uh, fully formed. And it wasn't something that I thought would last. And it didn't, actually. Um, it morphed into First Take. As you know, that's where Skip Bayless first appeared on ESPN on Cold Pizza. And then he started doing first take from there. 
So long story short, though, I, 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 I had no intention to leave ESPN, but ESPN wasn't affording me the opportunities that I, I wanted. So I stuck to my guns. I'm like, I think I can do more than just a, um, a morphed highlight driven show. I wanted to call games. I wanted to do more interviews. I wanted to do uh, other appearances. I asked to be on Good Morning America, actually, and just as if they needed somebody to talk sports there. And interestingly enough, I was told that, uh, you know, I was not allowed even that opportunity. And now uh, Stray's on that show. And so is Robin Roberts as well, doing just incredible work. So at any rate, NFL Network came calling. I also had an opportunity to call Braves games for TBS and work for Turner. They knocked on my door as well. And the incredible team there was so professional and so exciting to be um, thought of as somebody that could be um, a voice of their changing Braves coverage. Um, and they wanted to get uh, a different announce team in there and reached out to me, eventually did move on from their announce team, their longtime announce team at TBS. And, and, um, I decided to follow my, my voice and my inner gut, um, and move to Los Angeles and work for Steve Bornstein, the longtime president of ESPN who had left and, and was working at NFL network. Um, and the NFL to launch NFL Network and work on their broadcast strategies. And he reached out to me and offered me a job. And um, it was between that and and going to work for Turner. And honestly, I sat there and I thought like, you know, Ernie Johnson's a Turner and he's their guy. And I could go out and start something new, all of my own. And also, I just got married. I didn't really want to be on the road for a 10-game road trip, like three in Colorado, four in, you know, Chicago, three in Cincinnati. Like, how do I just get started on my life And um, as a married man? You know, my wife was willing to, you know, have me do that. You know, I mean, we were willing to to figure it out, but I just didn't feel right doing that. So I wanted to just get started on something new with, you know, the NFL. And that was kind of an educated guess that, you know, kind of good to bet on the NFL. And I wanted to get started on my life as a married man and now a father of three. So that's why I did that, all that. And it was tough. It was tough, you know, going from the platform of ESPN and SportsCenter to cutting it in by 90%. I mean, ESPN was in over 100 million homes. And NFL Network was in 10 million homes and it was starting up. It was new and it was um, amazing. And obviously the opportunity is completely worked out and I'm happy for it. But so many people ask me why. And that's essentially why, you know, I wasn't being offered the opportunities that I wanted and I wasn't, um, you know, um, uh, considered by management as uh, multidimensional that I could do all that, that they weren't willing to feed my, um, my desire to branch out and bet on me and, um, and actually try to make an example of me that, uh, anybody who was doing sports center had to do just that clearly that, that that's changed now, but, um, it, it was, uh, it was something else, man. And it was, it was, a a, a long, slog because I was getting married in the middle of it. But the reason why I bring all of it up is, 
Adam wound up there and we got to meet each other. And, you know, part of the reason why we get along so well is we do have a similar desire and singular focus about getting a job done, you know, and focusing on, on trying to make an opportunity come true. And his very simple mantra of you can do anything that you put your mind to, you can, you can believe in yourself, just whatever you want to do, go chase it down, you know? And he said, it's cliche, but it's true. That's what I thought of with ESPN. You know, I wanted to do more than just was being afforded to me after seven years. And I decided to risk it. No risk it, no biscuit, as Bruce Arians of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has to say. And um, that's what Adam was talking about. That's what I did to go from NFL Network, ESPN to NFL Network. And that's what he did to go from NFL Network to ESPN. You know, he wasn't getting what he wanted or given an opportunity to do what he wanted to do outside of of what what they thought he only could do. I mean, Adam, as you know, is actually now doing sidelines of NBA games. So, and so much more, a podcast, et cetera. So that's just a simple message I just wanted to echo. Um, this uh, 10-part series of the Voices of the NFL, season two edition of Just Getting Started, wraps up next week with the great Chris Collinsworth, kind of bookends. Al Michaels is our first. Chris Collinsworth will be our 10th and final guest of the Voices of NFL series. So check that out and our entire archive where all podcasts are gotten right here through the Cumulus Podcast Network. That's it for this edition of Just Getting Started. 